This is the Fantasy Fast Track with Brandon Funston and Brad Evans. Ready, set, go! This is a Fantasy Fast Track podcast. I'm Brad the Big Noise Evans joined by Senior Fun Buns, Brandon Funston, week one. Practically in the books here, Brandon. On this Monday, we're going to get to some of our favorite waiver wire grabs and how much fab cash we're willing to slap the old wallet for. Uh, assuming a $100 budget. But before we get to our Fantasy Five today, give me your biggest, most concrete takeaway from week one. There's a lot to unpack. There was a lot. I think the one thing to kind of like, other than the bad reporting and we getting healthy scratches from Zach Moss and Trey Sermon, which kind of rocked fantasy, I think as far as like what happened on the field, one of the things I was really harping on was take it easy on these rookie receivers in their first game. And I laid out how many of the rookie receivers last year kind of failed to help you out in week one last year, like Justin Jefferson, two for 26 and a bunch of bunch of other top receivers not doing well. Well, this year it was the exact opposite. You had Devonte Smith and looking great in Philadelphia and looking like just already just set as the go-to guy, uh, Jamar chase getting separation and, and being sort of the go-to guy in Cincinnati um and Jalen Waddle looking uh looking firmly in the mix in the Miami yeah. passing game as well. So uh respect that you know in terms of the rookie class the wide receivers kind of you know won the day uh for week 1. Well, it was a Ballyhood group coming in, but yeah, I mean, I I certainly feel that they came in and made a cannonball splash uh, right away. Yeah. God, I love seeing Jalen Hurts and Avante Smith just carve up Atlanta. Uh, yeah, they are a, P, a part of a 12-piece bucket. I think the Falcons right now, and maybe for the rest of the season, God, they're <laughs> lousy. Uh, of course, my biggest takeaway, it's mandatory, Brandon. My boy, David Montgomery. Come on. Got to give him some love. Like, everybody was talking about how the Bears' offensive line was going to be an absolute sieve, and they lost a couple of big bodies in that game last night. But still, they did a pretty good job in run blocking against Aaron Donald in this vaunted front defensive line of the L.A. Rams. And you look at Montgomery, you know, if it wasn't for a finger dislocation, a bruised hand or whatever he suffered from, and he got some extensive run there on a couple of series from Damian Williams as he was getting checked out in the locker room. I mean, he could have been maybe the number one overall fantasy running back in week one. Instead, he finished, oh, just a lowly number five. 16 carries, 108 yards and a touchdown. Uh, was the first 100-yard rusher against uh, the Rams and eons. Uh, added a catch for 10 yards. Uh, he was underutilized in that capacity. But, man, uh, he looked dynamite, and he had the highest yards of a contact per attempt at 5.13 of any running back in the league. Uh, what about that schedule last season, folks? Oh, he, so it was a soft schedule. That's the only reason why Dave Montgomery was any good. Put some damn respect on the man's name. I'm tired of people admonishing him unfairly. Well, he had, he was productive from the get go. It wasn't like a case of the Rams getting up and him getting like you know prevent defense wide a open forty yard run right out of the gate, right out of the gate. Yeah, he literally was putting up appreciable yards from the moment the clock started ticking. So uh, I thought he looked great. I thought he looks great. We know that's a great Rams defense. Aaron Aaron Donald kind of anchored right there in the middle, but uh, he did work and he looked spry. So um, you know people want to call him slow. He didn't look that slow to me. <laughs> Well, he's not going to put up some slow numbers this week. Not against Cincinnati. Not in the Andy Dalton revenge game. Revenge game. Just play Fields. Nagy, I hate you so much. With that, let's get to it here on this edition, Monday edition of the Fantasy Five. 
number five. All right, Brandon, this is what we always do on Mondays on this program. It's waiver wire talk. And I want you to view this through a lens of a two-quarterback or super flex league. Uh, we lost Ryan Fitzpatrick and Porn went out uh, for the Lorax. Uh, he had a hip subluxation. That is a separation. Two alike in the injury, not as severe. We don't know the full uh, severity of the injury, but he is out multiple weeks at a minimum. And Heideke is the next man up. And no, they are not going to sign Cam Newton. Kyle Allen and uh, Kyle Shermer are going to be the backups for this team. So I'm in a super flex league. True story. I lost Ryan Fitzpatrick. Also a true story. And my next quarterback up, it's Taysom Hill, Brandon. <laughs> That's what it is. So yeah. I need to spend some cash. Uh, if you're in my position, how much money should I be shelling out for Heineke? Well, you got to have them, right? Um, Hundred dollar yeah. budget. Yeah. What am I spending? Fifty, fifty-five percent, sixty? Probably at least fifty. Yeah. I mean, and look at if you go around the league, Taylor Heineke is one of the better backups. He like is. If, I mean, you saw what happened in Dallas last year when Dak Prescott went down. I mean, yeah, they brought in Andy Dalton eventually, but even that wasn't very fun. And Taylor Heineke looks looks more than serviceable and, and i know you uh you always notice guys that are uh, sneaky uh for their rushing upside and oh yeah heineke has that so oh yeah yeah he's got terry mclaurin who can make any quarterback work for him and uh eventually they'll get curtis samuel back hopefully in a couple weeks so yeah i think 50 percent at least where you gotta think you're you're gonna have to start you know and if you can push it you know a couple more dollars you probably get them but um you got to know who you're bidding against first you might not have to go that strongly if you think that there's not going to be a market from the other teams well and here's the deal too is like you look at the upcoming matchups uh on the schedule for the fighting footballs you get the giants on thursday night football at home short turnaround and the giants as rancid as as everybody believed they would be uh against the denver broncos then a tough road game at buffalo then you come back against atlanta on the road. So two of the next three matchups, downright delectable for Taylor Heineke. And you're right. If you don't believe he is a true dual threat, go back and see what he did late last year. Look at the playoff game against Tampa. He had 42 rush yards. And the game prior to that, week 16 against Carolina, was over 20 rush yards. I mean, I'm looking at my chops uh, from a sports betting point of view at what his rush yards prop is going to be on Thursday night. But, dude, Taylor Heineke can deliver it, man. And as you mentioned, you know, when you got Terry McLaurin, you got Logan Thomas, uh, you know, well, Curtis Samuel eventually going to get back down the road. Uh, he could be a surprise sensation. So, God bless it. I'm probably going to have to spend like 70% of my budget now <laughs> oh, on Taylor Heineke. I'm going to play for now. I don't have a backup quarterback. And and these are the problems, the conundrums that people in a two-quarterback and super flex league face. Womp, womp. Number four. All right, let's move on. Number four here on our waiver wire list. Uh, and it's Jawan Johnson, who had not one but two touchdowns, Brandon. And yeah, somewhat of a controversial subject because he qualifies at wide receiver and tight end. It's so coincident. Uh, such a coincidence that's with the Saints. You and yes. I remember not so fondly all of the hate mail email that we received in regards to one Marcus Colston back in what was it, like 2006. Uh, when he qualified, he was a tweener coming out of Hofstra at tight end. And of course, he played wide receiver and exploded for that Saints team back in the day. But Jawan Johnson, man, a couple of touchdowns, two of the five scores that Jameis Winston had, the first NFL player in history to throw for five touchdowns, yet failed to eclipse 150 pass yards. It's kind of crazy when you think about it. 
Uh, but uh, is Jawan Johnson here to stay? If you're at a Yahoo league and he qualifies at tight end, what are you willing to shell out? I'm not going to go too crazy. Um, I mean, Troutman did have Adam Troutman did have more snaps than him. Um, but you know, these things where a guy kind of becomes uh, someone's favorite in the red zone, you can see that happening with Juwan Johnson because of his size. One, the first touchdown he had, Winston kind of was scrambling around and uh, threw a little bit back across his body a little bit, threw it up high, and Juwan Johnson kind of towered over the guy that was guarding him, made the grab, and um, so you can see this kind of role developing where he might just be a guy that you can sort of count on. Uh, regularly to see red zone targets and to see end zone targets. And we sort of saw that, how that worked out for Robert Tunyon last year, getting a dozen, you know, getting a dozen touchdowns, even though he wasn't like highly targeted, works out very nicely when you're talking about that back end of the tight end class, which we always say is so shaky and so unreliable from week to week. If you get a guy like this, it's a great, you know, stepping stone, building stone here for Jawan Johnson to sort of, uh, propel him forward and maybe in the role grows more appreciably between the twenties. But right now it looks like he's a guy that Jameis is going to be looking for when they get down to the end zone. And again, good news for him, the upcoming schedule, uh, you got Carolina this week. Uh, you love the matchup there against that secondary at new England. That'll be tough. Uh, but then you come back and you get the giants again. It always comes back to the giants punching bag. <laughs> That's what they are. I think Jawan Johnson uh, could be that surprising source of maybe seven, eight, touchdowns this year i'd be willing to go uh, if i need a tight end uh anywhere between 10 to 12 bucks for him and a 12 team league number three all right marching on oh the mile high city uh we got to pour one out for our guy jerry judy who looked spectacular brandon uh before he got rolled up on and suffered you know i thought honestly the way that he reacted it was going to be far more severe than what doctors diagnosed him with he had to be carted off uh, in Jersey against the Giants, and he is out with a high ankle sprain upwards of eight weeks, according to local reporters there in Denver. It's a next man up league, and here's the good news, is that Denver has a lot of depth at wide receivers. So uh, I want you to prioritize these two gentlemen. Tim Patrick, K.J. Hamler, where are you spending your cash? Mm, I might put an extra dollar on Hamler. Uh, I think these guys are pretty close. I think it go back and forth. I, you know, last year we saw Tim Patrick sort of step up as a as a as a main beneficiary with Cortland Sutton out. You know, as Jerry Judy is more a little bit different receiver, I can see KJ Hamler being more emulating his kind of game. But I don't I don't think it's a slam dunk either way between these two guys. I'm not going to get too aggressive because I don't know week to week if we're going to get consistency from either one of these guys so if i lost jerry judy and this was you know my best option i'd probably go you know four or five bucks maybe on hamler three to four on patrick but i'm not gonna i'm not gonna break the bank too much on either of these i think you gotta go higher for both those guys you know patrick i think has carved out a really nice red zone niche for him and he's a very good possession receiver so you know, I think as week-to-week, week, yardage totals are going to be a bit suppressed. You know, plus, Teddy Two Gloves is socialist by nature, so he likes to spread the love around. Uh, so, you know, I mean, you may get a line like he had uh, in week one where it's like four for 39, a touchdown on occasion. Hambler's got that big play ability, the quick twitch, and he dropped a long bomb touchdown in that game. Uh, had three for 41 in the end. You know, I think these guys are very similar. I, I, you know, I'd be willing to go seven to nine on either if I needed a wide receiver. And again, you look at the matchups the next two weeks, man. Delectable, right? You get Jacksonville, mm-hmm. you get the Jets. 
So uh, they could both have standout performances these next couple of games. So, uh, you know, those foothills surrounding uh, the Denver metro area on the west side, oh, there's golden Dendare foothills, Brandon, at least for the next couple of weeks from a fantasy football perspective. Go the extra dollar on Hamler or Patrick. Number two. All right, let's talk about an oldie and apparently still a goodie and a man that had an exhaustive number of touches and a thumping doled out by the Houston Texans. And I'm talking about Mark Ingram. 26 carries, 85 yards, and a touchdown, Brandon. Uh, You know, rare opportunity because it's Jacksonville, it's Urban Meyer, who, again, is the biggest, most raging nincompoop at coach. And that's saying a lot uh, for my disdain of Matt Nagy currently in the NFL. But uh, what are you willing to bid on Mark Ingram, assuming a $100 budget? Oh, probably somewhere in the 15 to 20 range. Like, I don't – they will play again, so maybe Mark Ingram might have another opportunity for this kind of a workload. I think most weeks they're going to be chasing on the scoreboard, and that's going to that's going to you know probably drop Ingram down to about half of this total a lot of weeks. But still, any running back that's going to get you 13 to 15 carries each week is worthwhile. Um, you get the you can get the goal line you know rushes when they're down there. Um, so, you know, you can start thinking about him as flex worthy most weeks because there's going to be better volume expectations than Philip Lindsay and David Johnson. Uh, that said, I, I, you know, I don't think he can do a whole lot to move the meter for your fantasy team. Maybe not do anything to hurt it either, but he's just kind of a middling option for that reason. I'm 15 to 20 bucks. That's exactly what I got him at, 16 to 21. I wrote that up in my BatleySports.com okay. Fantasy 5 piece. Uh, oh, where did I get that name from? Oh, yeah, this podcast. <laughs> Lack of creativity for your boy. Uh, but you're right. I mean, you and I talked about this on the Serious Sex and Fantasy show, uh, and I'm going to read off the Houston schedule moving forward. You just tell me where you feel confident, you know, playing Mark Ingram, where they could possibly get a positive game script. Uh, it, you know, it's at Cleveland in week two. It's Carolina maybe at home in week three at Buffalo, New England, at Indy, at Arizona, the Rams at home, at Miami. And then the bye week in week 10, and there's nothing in there that says, oh, my God, I have to get Mark Ingram in my starting lineup. But if, if somehow they can be competitive, that's all we're asking here. Somehow they can be. Uh, yeah, I think Mark Ingram, again, knowing that running back depth is everything in fantasy football it's certainly worth that 15 to $20 range that you're tossing out there. But just don't go crazy, kids. Number one. All right, last and certainly not least, uh, tops on everybody's wish list off of waivers this week. It's got to be Elijah Mitchell of the San Francisco 49ers. So, Brandon, you got to slap the wallet. You need a running back. How hard are you willing to do it? Yeah, probably double of what I just said for Ingram, somewhere between 33 to $40. And uh, knowing that, man, that might not get it done. And that would be, I guess you have to look at how bad your situation is. Here's, here's the thing to consider with Elijah Mitchell. He won't go away. I mean, Raheem Mostert's out for at least half the season. Who knows how long, uh, you know, once he's kind of cleared that he'll be worked back in. But the rookies could take over here in this backfield. Shanahan likes to run a dual backfield, so Trey, Trey Sermon should be active this week, probably running as a backup to Elijah Mitchell. But, you know, you look at, you know, in any week where they might get 28 touches, I think you're looking at Elijah Mitchell right now getting like the 16 side where maybe Trey Sermon gets 12. So he's the lead back in my mind until he loses it 
uh, in terms of performance to Trey Sermon, for as long as he can hold Sermon back into that number two role, I think Elijah Mitchell, you know, he's the number one guy and maybe the best running piece of real estate there is. This is a fantastic running system. It always has been under Shanahan. So the number one guy does, demands probably 35 to 40 bucks, if not more. Yeah, look, it's got to command 40 to 45%. Somebody's got to overspend because they desperately need a running back. I mean, it's it's kind of desolate out there. But some it, of the what's guys. your percentage chance that Trey Sermon ends up becoming the lead guy? In the next uh, I still think month? it's probably 15 to 20%. Like, I, I could see, uh, you know, a, a change. I mean, Sermon's a talented guy. Uh, he forced to yeah. miss tackle 28.6% of the time last season. Not playing for, like, some low-level max school. It wasn't like Bowling Green. He was playing for friggin' Ohio State. And he put up yeah. great numbers when he was at Oklahoma. Gets the ball out of the backfield. You know, I wish we would have gotten more information, clearly. Thanks, reporters. Yeah. Uh, you know, for not digging in and, and prodding Kyle Shanahan a little bit more. Uh, but Mitchell apparently beat him in training camp. But Sermon could still... Rise the occasion, force uh, a you know a more evenly distributed committee here in the end. So if you have Trey Sermon, you're not cutting him loose. You can't do that. You got to ride it out right now. Uh, but you know, for Elijah Mitchell, he is the uh, guy, and it's gonna it, again, it's gonna take every bit of forty to forty five percent of your fat budget to get him, to get him. So there you go. Yeah. All right, uh, Brandon, before we get out of here, uh, I'm going to throw out a couple other names just rapid fire, and you tell me uh, how much you're willing to spend on them. Tony Jones Jr. Um, man, I would probably go – I would probably go 10. I, would, I, think that's, I think that's about right. I think, you know, he's Latavius Murray but with more ability in the passing game. So, um, yeah, I, I think I think 10 to 12, if I, if I need a running back, seems about right for me. Yeah, I got him 9 to 14. He's going to command probably 30, 35% of the opportunity share weekly. And God forbid if something happened to Alvin Kamara. I mean, the New Orleans Saints offensive line, maulers. Maulers. And Jameis Winston had a ton of clean pockets. Well, let me game. ask you this. Who would you like better? Because I, I kind of like uh, – I like seeing what I saw from Kenneth Gainwell as well. I think Oh, Tony Jones. Tony Jones. I like day. Gainwell too. I think I Gainwell too. had eleven touches out of the gate. Looked pretty good. So I, I would, I would maybe lean Tony Jones a little bit, but I think they're both in that same ballpark. You know what? Also, look, it was Cordero Patterson. <laughs> Believe it or not, it's unbelievable that guy's still around and kicking, uh, playing uh, running back, and in really working in a full blown committee with Mike Davis. And I know it's a thorn in the side because we're big Mike Davis guys until you know we had a bunch of cold water. Well, throw it if, on if us. Davis gets 15 carries for every seven of Cordero's, I, I can live with that. I just don't want that to – I don't want that gap to narrow anymore. Yeah, I'm with you there. Pick your poison at wide receiver, Gabe Davis or Rondell Moore? I'll go with Rondell Moore. I mean, A.J. Green is a is a corpse at this point. <laughs> um, Rondell Moore had a decent showing for his Look first good, game. good, man. Look good. Christian Kirk got his two-touchdown game, and he'll be quiet for the next yep. eight weeks. So, uh, yeah, I like Rondell Moore there. I do, too. I like him more long-term than Christian Kirk, who yeah. is maybe one of the strongest sell-high candidates you possibly could have on the board. Let me throw out a couple of streaming defenses uh, for people of interest. Uh, how about those Arizona Cardinals? Uh, Chandler Jones was possessed. Five sacks against Tennessee? Tennessee! Oh. Bottled up Derrick Henry. You get Minnesota this week, so you got another – you know, tall order to contain with the elite running backs and the league. But, man, I'll take the Cardinals at home. And, of course, Green Bay. Green Bay is in a major bounce-back smash spot against Detroit Monday night. Uh, this game is going to be a blowout of epic proportions. Bank on it. 
yeah, they need to come. They need to come a little harder than they did in week one. I'm I'm with you on that. In Arizona, Team Speed, Chandler Jones, Isaiah Simmons, and you got you know Buda Baker is one of the top safeties in the league. And you know you were saying some things about that secondary, but I'm thinking oh, there's a couple of Washington guys there. They're going to be okay in, in the long run. A couple of University of Washington guys, Byron Murphy and, and Buda Baker. Oh, that you secondary. should not be advertising anything University of Washington right now, Brandon. That's true. <laughs> <laughs> old University of Washington stuff's all good, but the new the new stuff, no no bueno, uh, for sure. Yeah, so. they're not quite Illinois bad, but <laughs> they might be. They're venturing ever so closer to that territory. With that, that is a wrap on this edition of the Fantasy Fast Track Podcast. Uh, please follow Brandon on Twitter at Brandon Funson. Follow me there at Noisy Juevos. Drop us a rating and a review, would you kindly? And until next time, adios, amigos.